Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. As we get into the series, taking a look at spiritual gifts, it's important to know that every believer is a gifted one. Every child of God has the Holy Spirit. Having the Holy Spirit, they have been given spiritual gifts. And there are seven gifts that are mentioned in the passage. We just looked over them. We're not going to cover them today. Uh, We're going to look at them over the next several messages. But uh, we're going to take a look before we get to the gifts themselves, laying down a foundation for having gifts, the use of gifts, and understanding this principle of spiritual gifts. We've got to lay down this right foundation before we actually get to them uh, directly once we see them in, uh, in just uh, probably next week. Uh, the first foundation, of course, is salvation. Before we get into any of having the spiritual gifts, you must first be made spiritually alive. You must have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you in order to have the spiritual gifts. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. We have all broken the law of God. We have all been tainted with sin. And of course, the Bible says that we have come short of the glory of God. There's no way we could get into heaven with our sins. And God has said, all have sinned. And the problem with that, of course, is that there are wages for our sins. The wages of sin is death. There are consequences to our sins. And there are consequences to your sins. And every one of us who has sinned, the consequence of death is coming for us. But the Bible says that for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God said, here are people that I love. They have sinned. They have broken my law and consequences are coming, but I love them enough that I do not want to see them to perish. Therefore, I will send my only begotten son to earth in order to die on the cross. That payment then can be applied to your sins. And the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here this morning and you're not 100% sure that you're saved, you can be saved. It doesn't matter how short you've been coming to church or how long you've been going to church. It doesn't matter whether you know a lot of the Bible or you know a little bit of the Bible. The Bible says that you can be saved today. You just need to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior. And that's the first foundation. But uh, given that I'm speaking mostly to people who are saved, we're going to get a look into, all right, being saved, what should I, how should I approach spiritual gifts? What are some things I need to make sure are clear in my mind before I think about what gift do I have? How do I use it? Where do I use it? And how does that work in the context of a church? There's three foundations I want to take a look at, the first of which is a holy presentation for spiritual gifts. We're starting in Romans 12, verse number 1. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, thinking about spiritual gifts, if we are going to use the gifts 
to its fullest potential and maximize our gifts, we must offer our bodies as a sacrifice to the Lord. Now, if you listen, when we read the verses earlier, you know that God is using the illustration of the body as a picture of the church. So when you think about the church, you ought to think about it as the body of Christ, just like you have a body. And the church, being the body of Christ, is built up of many different parts. And your body has many different parts. You have eyes, you have ears, you have a nose, you have a mouth, you have hands and feet. And on the inside, you have a heart and you have lungs and, and you have all sorts of different organs on the inside and you have bones and you have all these different parts as a part of your body. And every one of those body parts has a purpose. Every part has a place and every part has a purpose. In the, in the function of your body, you know, thinking about what do I want to do with my body and where do I want to go? Each body part has a place. Your eyes have a place. You got to see where you're going. You got to see what you're trying to pick up. Your ears have a place. Your hands have a place. Your feet have a place. Every single one of your body parts has a place. And for the body to function properly, the head must have full control of every part. Right? If you want your body to function as you desire, you need to have full control of every part. Ephesians chapter 5 emphasizes that Christ is the head of the church. So the idea is that Christ is the head and we are the body. And so Christ being the head ought to have full control of every part of the body. Right? When you look at your hands and you look at your feet and you decide what to do with that, your head is telling all of your body parts what to do. Now, in some cases, there are people who have uh, some disorders or some diseases that prevent this, where that person no longer has full control of their body. Right? Maybe you know somebody or seen somebody with Parkinson's disease and, and they begin to have the tremors in their hands. They can't quite have the full control of their body. Maybe somebody has multiple sclerosis. Uh, so, some might you know, have, suffer from seizures and things like that. Uh, it's, it's out of their control. Some of you might uh, remember a number of years ago when they did the ice bucket challenge. Do you remember that? And, and uh, either you get a, a bucket of ice dumped on you or you make a donation to the ALS Foundation or something like that. And uh, that's Lou Gehrig's disease. That, that is a degeneration of uh, like the, the, uh, the nerves and what, and they, they're not able to fully use their muscles. And so there are some instances, physically speaking, where somebody might not have full control of their body. Now, taking that illustration then to the church, the question is, does God have full control of this body, of the body of Bible Baptist Church? Does God have full control of every member of this body that is here? And so if we're going to think about, all right, as a believer, God has given me his Holy Spirit, and the Spirit dwelling in me has given to me a spiritual gift then, we ought to think that if we are going to be able to use the gift, we must be under the full control of the Lord. Amen? That just makes sense makes sense that if we're going to use the spiritual gift, we ought to be under full control of the Spirit. And he says there in verse number one, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, sacrificing our bodies holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. 
So God thinks that our sacrifice ought to be holy. The word holy means sanctified. It means to be set apart. It means to be reserved. This is special, not just to be used anywhere. It ought to be reserved for this specific use. And we ought to consider ourselves a holy sacrifice to God. My body is reserved for the use of God. No matter where he desires, no matter how he desires, I'm not in control. The head is in control. So the head gets to decide what I do, when I do it, and how I do it. So that's a basic foundation work that we ought to be holy. We ought to have this idea of being acceptable unto God. The, the goal, of course, is that we would please the Lord. Not pleasing ourselves, not seeking to please others, but primarily seeking to please the Lord. That we ought to think about our bodies and our sacrifices. How can I please God in the ministry? How can I please God by using my spiritual gift? Romans 15 says, for even Christ pleased not himself, All right? So the idea of spiritual gifts is not that uh, how can I do something that will benefit myself, but how could I not please myself or even to please men, but to please the Lord? And of course, the sacrifice God reiterates as being reasonable. So God is asking, the Bible says there, I beseech you therefore, brethren, Right? God is asking that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, offering all of our time, all of our life, all that we have to the Lord. And that is a reasonable service unto the Lord. And of course it's reasonable because God is saying, I want you to take your corrupted body. One day we're all going to die, right? Our bodies are continually degenerating. I want you to take that body and I want you to serve me with that body because I'm going to give you a glorified body. One day I'm going to give you a perfect body. One that never grows old, one that never feels any pain, one that never feels tired, even when daylight savings time, you know, hits you hard. And, you know, you're never going to have any of those things. God's going to give you that body. And so God is asking us, why don't you give me the body that you have right now? Not only that, God is asking us to give him the time that we have here on earth. Right? The Bible talks about that the years of man is 70 years. Maybe by strength you live 80 years. And we, I'm sure every one of us knows somebody who's lived beyond 80 years, 85 years, uh, 90 years, even 100 years old. But even if you live to be 80, 90, 100, your time here on earth is limited. But if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you have unlimited time in heaven. God has given to you eternal life, and so God is asking us to give us our temporary life here on earth. And so God is asking us, all right, I have gifts for you. Every believer has been given a gift, but if we are going to use the gift, we must first begin with, God, you have all of me. You have all of my body, all of my time. And then in verse number two, he continues, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, of course, this sacrifice to the Lord is not the teaching of the world, right? That's not the world's way. That's not what the world says. That's not the, what the world does. And the world teaches that we should live for this life and that we should live for ourselves 
and that we should live for the cares and pleasures of this life. And the world is trying to conform every believer into its image. And it'll use all sorts of different methods in order to do that. It'll bombard the believer on social media. This is what everybody else is doing. Maybe you should go along and do this. Or maybe you live in a neighborhood and all of your neighbors are doing the same thing. Maybe your family members, they're not living for the Lord and, and they're doing their own thing. And, and you have all sorts of different people, all sorts of different things, all sorts of different pressures that are trying to get us to live like the world. But God asked for us to live for him in this life and we cannot use our spiritual gifts if we follow the way of the world that's why it's so important that you get into your bible every single day because every day you're going to see the world and every day you're going to walk out of your door you're going to look at your phone you're going to have a conversation with somebody that is going to by the world's you know purpose try to conform you into its image but we ought to be transformed in the renewing of our mind to be more like christ if we're going to use our gifts well we must have the mind of christ it's not just enough that we act the part we have to think like jesus that's so important that we get into the bible every day that you come to the church services that you get around other believers encouraging each other hey let's live for the lord philippians chapter 2 says let this mind be in you which was also in christ jesus so considering the spiritual gifts then all right if we're going to have gifts and use the gifts we ought to know and understand all right i need to offer up myself unto the lord all right there should be no time when we say no to the lord everything should be yes all right lord i'll say yes god calls you to go do something yes god calls you to give yes god calls you to go serve yes god calls you to commit to a ministry, to full-time ministry, to be a missionary, to just serve in your family, just to support your local church, just to be involved in, in some aspect of encouraging other believers. Yes, I'm going to do that. All right? That's the foundation for being able to use our spiritual gifts and also to understand the will of God is good and acceptable and perfect. That ye may prove, verse number two, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of god see many believers get the wrong idea that by sacrificing themselves to god that they are losing everything right satan tries to tempt the believer hey if you make a commitment to god then you're going to lose out you're going to miss out you're not going to have what other people have and that's the temptation that the world gives to every believer but God makes it clear, when you give to God, you're not losing anything. Luke chapter 9 says, He saith to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Romans chapter 8, verse number 31, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? See, God has already given to us everything that he has. 
He's already offered to us his son. And if he has offered to us his son, what would he hold back? The Bible says he would give to us everything that we needed, everything that would be good for us. And so he says, here in my plan, in my will, my will is good and it is acceptable and it is perfect. The will of God for your life is good. It's good for you. It's good for God. It's good for others. You know what the world needs? It needs more good. You know where they're going to get it from? They're going to get it from the Lord, working through believers that follow his will. The will of God is not just good, but it is acceptable. Right? I have uh, three kids now, and I, I feed them food, and sometimes they don't like the food. They, don't, they have certain likes and preferences and things like that, and they'll say, I, I don't like it. And sometimes I will say, or their mother will say, or we'll say together, it's good for you, right? And uh, as a kid, I always thought, good for me means it's going to taste bad, <laughs> right? That's what I always thought. It's good for me means I'm not going to like it. That's why they're saying it that way, right? That's how I remember it. And sometimes when people get the idea of the will of God, it's good for you. It's like, hey, it's good for you, but it's not going to taste good. I'm not going to like it. It's good for me. It's good for other people. It's good for God, but I'm not going to enjoy it. But the Bible says that the will of God is not just good. It is acceptable. It is pleasing. There is no more satisfying life than the Christian life. Amen. <laughs> right? There is no more satisfying life. I mean, you just have to look out into the world and see how much dissatisfaction there is by those that have made it in the world. People have more money than any of us could even imagine are miserable. People have been able to go and do things that you and I could only dream about are not happy. They're not happy. They're not fulfilled. They're not satisfied. They're continually chasing something. And, and for some reason, believers get caught up into thinking, that's what I need. But if you could only peel back the curtain and see into their heart as God sees into their heart, you'll see that they're not satisfied. And that's not the way of satisfaction. You know how you and I can be satisfied? It's in the will of God. By following the plan of God. God knows better what will satisfy you than even you or even me. And so the will of God is good, it is acceptable, and it is perfect. There's nothing missing in the will of God. You know, sometimes we can live in a, a, a FOMO-type attitude and thinking, the fear of missing out, or somebody else has something that I don't have, and, and I got to go get that thing. But the Bible says, if you just live in the will of God, it's perfect for you. You'll have everything that you need. You won't be lacking in any area. You'll be satisfied, and it will be good. All of that, though, is what is the will of God. The will of God is offering up our bodies a living sacrifice to God. So that's the first foundation after you've been saved. You need to be saved. After you are saved, we must uh, give our bodies a living sacrifice unto the Lord. Next, though, in verse number three, he discusses this humble posture that we must have from spiritual gifts. Verse number three, 
says, For I say through the, uh, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Paul is giving a warning. Hey, let's not get big-headed about this. Let's make sure that we stay humble because the natural inclination of the flesh is to be prideful and even proud about good things, about spiritual things. And he's getting to this point of spiritual gifts, but before he lists them, he gives us a warning. Hey, before we get to the gifts themselves, let me warn you, don't get high-minded about this. Stay humble. Now, why would he have to give this warning? Because the temptation would be that we would be proud of the gifts that we have, right? We're going to take a look at the gifts. So one of the gifts is ruling or leadership. And we'll discuss all of the details of that in a future message. But the, it's, it's, it's a, a temptation for the person who is leading a ministry, leading the church, leading a group of people to think I'm special because I'm the leader. And to think this is the gift that God has given to me, that must make me a little bit more important because isn't the leader so important? And the Bible says, just remember... These are spiritual, what? Gifts. You know what a gift is? It is freely given to you. You did not earn it. You did not create it. It was given to you. So let's not be so high-minded about, look at my gift. I've got such a special gift. I must be somebody. No, 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 no. We are all sinners saved by grace who have all just simply received a gift from God. And though you might have a different gift from me, and you have a different gift from somebody else, that doesn't make you less than the other person with another gift that you might think, oh, wow, that's an incredible gift. I would love to have, have that gift. That doesn't make them better than you. That's just the gift that God gave to them. And God has given to you a different gift. And every gift is important. Every gift is vital. Once again, considering the body part, there, uh, uh, there are certain parts that receive a little more glory, right? They receive attention. If you're going to take a picture of somebody, it's often of the face, right? So the face receives all of the attention and, uh, you know, you might, wow, what an attractive person. Wow, that person is so beautiful. And you might think things like that. Nobody boasts about things like, boy, I got a really powerful set of lungs. Nobody thinks, boy, my liver is so strong, man, it can take anything, you know, because we don't really think about those parts. We think about the hands, we think about, you know, uh, we're in the middle of a big sports season, you know, football and basketball and different things, and people are jumping and running and catching and throwing and doing all sorts of incredible things. Uh, you know what? If you didn't have any hands, you could still survive, but if you didn't have your liver, you'd be dead. And you know what? Your liver doesn't receive any glory. It doesn't receive any attention. Nobody thinks about their liver until their liver starts to hurt, right? Nobody even thinks about all of the internal organs. Nobody thinks about any of the, these things, but they're just as important as every other body part. And the Bible says, hey, just because somebody receives more attention doesn't mean that they're more important. Every gift is important. 
And every body part is vital. And every body part will be used by God. The seven gifts that are listed are prophecy, which has to do with preaching or proclaiming the word, ministry, which is simply a word for service or somebody who is serving, teaching, exhortation. The idea of exhortation is encouragement, giving, ruling, and mercy. There's a lot of different kinds of gifts here. And every believer has a gift. And so we must remember, these are gifts. Maybe the preacher gets more attention because he's the loudest person in the room, but you need a minister just like you need a preacher. And you need somebody who will give and somebody who will rule and somebody who will be merciful and somebody who will exhort and somebody who will teach. We need each of these body parts. And remember that we don't always choose the gift. It is God who has given to us the gift. God gives to us the gift, and so we can be thankful for where we are, thankful for what we have, and faithful in the place that God has put us, and understanding that every member is just as important if we will simply yield ourselves to the Lord and give ourselves with these gifts to the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21 says, And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you, nay, much more the, uh, these members of the body which seem more feeble are necessary. And these members of the body which we think to be less honorable upon those we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness for our comely parts have no need. He's saying they have enough attention, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. And so God is saying, all right, let's not be so high-minded about I have a special gift. Every gift is special. And every believer is important in the body of Christ, but it is also important to remember that we still must live by faith, as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Though God has given to us gifts, that doesn't mean that we no longer need God. Right? Just because God has given to us something doesn't mean, all right, God, I got it from here. No, we still need the Lord, though he has given to us his gifts. Thirdly, the, the last of the foundations we're going to take a look at before we get into the gifts themselves is the harmonizing partnership in spiritual gifts. In verse number four, he says, for as many as have members, for as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office. This is obvious, but your body is not made up of the same body parts. You have different body parts and the church is no different. The body of Christ has different body parts, and they are different, and they are diverse, and they are used in different ways, and used at different times, and used for different purposes. And so we must remember, not everybody has the same gift as us. You will have a different gift from the person next to you, and from the person behind you, and the person in front of you, and from me, and from you. We're all going to have different gifts. And of course, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Right? That diversity is a good thing in the body. Now, it's much easier for us to appreciate people who have the same gift as us and get along with people who have the same gift as us because we all see things the same way. 
We all see things in the same manner. We all understand these things, but it's, it's important that we have diversity in the church. You can imagine if a church only had preachers, but no servants, that might be a little bit of a problem. You can imagine if there were a bunch of uh, leaders and rulers, but no givers. Everybody knows how to lead, but we have no money. <laughs> uh, that might be a problem too. And so you need these diversity of parts and we can appreciate these things. First Corinthians chapter 12, for by one spirit, we all are baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free and have been all made to drink into one spirit. If you're saved, you're saved. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. So every member has a different part and a different place in the body and that's a good thing it's been said that to a hammer every problem is a nail right the hammer only knows how to do one thing hammer <laughs> which is fine if you have a nail but if you've got something else it's not going to work you need something else and god has different tools in his tool belt he's got a hammer he's got a screwdriver he's got a saw he's got a ruler he's got all sorts of different tools that he would use in different places having then different tools and having then different gifts we can appreciate one another and you don't have to try to be like somebody else understand the gift that you have and know if god has given to me this gift it's important in this body there's an article that was written in a, a school a newsletter uh, about animals that, uh, obviously a fictitious story, that decided that they wanted to do something meaningful to meet the problems of the new world. So they organized a school together. And uh, they decided that they were going to have a number of different activity curriculums that they were going to teach to everybody there. Running, climbing, swimming, and flying. And uh, just to make things simple, they said everybody's going to take every single class, all right? Everybody's going to be in every class. The duck, of course, was an excellent swimmer, the best swimmer of them all, but he only got passing grades in flying and was quite poor at running. And so the teacher instructed him, you need to stop swimming, you're too good there, you need to start running a little bit more. But the duck trying to run with his wet feet was so bad that now his wet feet started to get worn and he could not swim as well as he used to be able to. The rabbit was, of course, the best at running, but uh, they decided that you need to be a better swimmer. And so he started to take swimming classes, not doing very well in them. He started to develop some pains in his leg and could no longer run very well. The squirrel, boy, he was excellent at climbing. But then they told him he needed to work on his flying. And uh, he didn't know what to do because he only knows how to climb a tree and jump out of it. And so he really, really struggled there and uh, really got some bad grades, uh, not only from flying, but also in trying to fly, he hurt himself and could no longer climb anymore. The eagle, of course, only knew how to do one thing and he just flew all the way to the very top. And we can see that every animal has different skills and different places and different ways in which they do things and it's tempting for one believer to look at another and be like i should be more like that i i i should try to emulate that person a little bit more but but god says 
having the gift that I've given to you, just be there. If you're the arm in the body of Christ, just be the arm. You don't have to try to pretend to be the leg. And if you're the eye, you don't have to try to pretend to be the ear. Just understand, this is the gift God has given to me. This is the place God has put me and be active in our gift. Because if you're saved, you have a gift that is different from others. That means it is doubly important that we use our gift because other people don't have that gift. Only I have that gift or those of us that have that gift. We have that gift, but other people do not have that gift. So let me encourage you, before we get to the gifts themselves, determine I am going to use my gift, whatever it is. If it's teaching, I'm going to teach. If it's prophesying, I'm going to prophesy. If it's ministry, I'm going to minister. If it's giving, I'm going to give. If it's exhortation, I'm going to come alongside people every single service that I can. Be active in using your gift. Be available at every moment and be willing to use your gift. And also, we have to be adaptable because by definition, having different gifts, we won't see things the same way. Right? Other believers will not see the same thing the same way that you see them, but you're going to have to work together with them. And so we're going to have to learn how we can coordinate ourselves together, though we be so different. Right? The foot is very different from the leg, which is different from the hand, which is different from the eye. But if you're going to run, you're going to use all of those parts together, coordinating so that you could run across the room. So how can we get coordinated together? We get coordinated by the head. You know what coordinates your body? Your head. You know what coordinates this body, Bible Baptist Church? The head. So you and I, if we will be coordinated together, have to have a strong connection with the head. If we're going to use our gifts in the body of Christ, you have to have a strong relationship with the Lord. And so before we get to the gifts, I just want to leave you today and through the next week with this question, how is your personal relationship with God? Number one, are you saved? Number two, have you yielded your bodies a living sacrifice to the Lord? And number three, are you going to the Lord and saying, God, how can I work together with other believers here in this church.